I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, welcome back. Steelers podcast. I'm Chris Carter here with Dale Lolly, and day 17 of training camp is in the books. The Steelers complete another day in training camp, and uh, Dale, we got some updates on the Steelers injury situation here. Um, uh, with this practice, we still haven't seen David DeCastro. He, he's, he didn't practice, um, but Chris Wormley and James Washington were able to practice in a limited fashion. We've seen those guys kind of dealing with stuff slowly here. But the good news is that it does appear that the injuries to both Kevin Dotson and Dax Raymond, which we talked about yesterday, um, weren't serious. They, they did not, uh, as uh, Dotson didn't have a brace on or a wrap on either of his knees. And uh, it looked like uh, Dax Raymond, they were both out and available, at least on the sidelines in t-shirt and shorts, which is good news for the Steelers. Yeah, and good news for both of those young players, for sure. Uh, especially for Dotson, that looked like it could have been something way more serious than, than what it was. Uh, at some point here, you do have to start being, getting a little bit concerned about David DeCastro. Uh, the Steelers off on Thursday. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that maybe they wait and bring him back on Friday when they go back to padded practices again. Uh, the Steelers weren't in pads today. It was essentially just a uh, practice in shells, so there wasn't, wasn't quite as physical as the first two days. They'll get the day off on Thursday, and I would assume come back uh, on, on Friday with another physical practice. That's got to be an interesting thing for them to, to try and measure out because, again, you know, we talked about this yesterday. This, you know, th- this is kind of like how it would be when you're dealing with, like, late July. They're, they're getting players reacquainted to wearing pads and hitting daily. So, but it has to be still a different kind of measurement to guys who have been off this long to try and say, okay, let's get them, you know, into, into playing and practicing in pads. We only have 14 practice padded practices to do this. So that though, but we have to be careful because we don't want to overwork these guys and put them in situations where they t- get serious injuries. Yeah. And you're seeing some serious injuries happening around the, uh, the league, uh, you know, the guys going down and, and that's what you don't want to have happen, especially if it's a frontline player. I mean, while it would have been, uh, you know, tough for Kevin Dotson or Dax Raymond to uh, to go down for the season, it wouldn't have been, you know, a serious blow for the Steelers. I know a lot of fans want to see Kevin Dotson uh, get a shot at the starting lineup. That's not going to happen this year. Uh, he's essentially on scholarship this year. He was a fourth-round pick at the guard position. He's not going to immediately become a starter. And they've got guys there. I think Matt Filer will be more than uh, more than adequate there. I think I actually think he'll be a, an upgrade at the left guard position, uh, no offense to our, uh, our co-worker, Ramon Foster now, but I, I do think that uh, a younger, uh, you know, Matt Filer will be, will be better there. Um, and we'll see what happens at the right tackle position. But, uh, you know, Kevin Dotson was going to be, and I kind of liked what I saw Dax Raymond on the, on the first day hitting the blocking sled 
and doing those kind of things. He's a guy that they signed late in the process, uh, was with the Bears, I believe, last year, one of the 87 tight ends that the Bears signed uh, last year. <laughs> and uh, I, I think there's some a little something there. I think this guy has a little bit of juice. We'll see how that works out. But, uh, you know, that number three tight end spot uh, could be one that uh, could be an interesting uh, struggle this year. Um, you know, when you look at it, I, I think that uh, um, it's it certainly uh, the Dax Raymond will be in the mix. Do you think because you have Ebron and McDonald who are more receiving type of tight ends that that's going to lead to the Steelers picking a more blocking, a, a blocking, a, a, a tight end that's stronger at blocking than receiving for that third slot? Do you think that that might give any, the, anyone an advantage that's fighting for that spot? It could, um, but I also think that you're still going to see whoever loses the, uh, you know, that, that battle at right tackle is going to be used as a blocking tight end as well. I expect to see them still use a lot of six, six man fronts on the offensive line and do those kind of things. And heck, you might still even see, you might see that, that sixth offensive lineman go in motion at times. Who knows? It could get really crazy. <laughs> Well, I mean, that, that certainly would be some, some part of Matt Canada's office that we, that we saw in, in the college days. But there's a lot of moving pieces that could happen with the Steelers here. I've talked about this possibility of if, if you use double tight end, you could bring in one of their bigger bodied or bigger frame wide receivers in Chase Claypool, Juju Smith-Schuster, or James Washington, any three of those guys, and say, hey, get behind these tight ends. Maybe you're not the, the, the premier blocker, but we can use the threat of all three of you as receiving options to, to, you know, to, to scare people and say, hey, they could block and catch at that position. But then, you, like, you, like you were suggesting, they might also say, hey, we're still busting out our, our, the, the, the six offensive linemen look with, with Zach Banner or Chikuma Korfor at that spot. And it could be a little too big for players uh, or, for defense, or for defenses to account for. So it certainly is an interesting prospect to see what they do at the tight end position with who they would go for in the third spot, because you presume that they do, they, they, the, even if that person is a very good blocker, that they do need to be able to catch the football should Ebron or McDonald go down and they still want to use their double tight end packages that they're planning on using. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they, they used that six man offensive line more than all, but the Seattle Seahawks last year, I don't think that's going to go away anytime soon. I think they like that package and what they can do out of that package, especially if they have Ben Roethlisberger in the backfield throwing the football. Absolutely. Um, speaking of, of throwing the football, Mike Tomlin said in, in his press conferences yesterday after practice that Ben's spiral is getting tighter. Um, it continues to look like he's moving moving forward to being in the right place. They, he, they, it was noted in the pool report yesterday that, Juju Smith-Schuster you know, and, and Ben Roethlisberger were connecting more, you really get the sense that maybe, and, and you know, Vance McDonald talked about this today to on for his article after practice, um, maybe we're seeing this offense that I've been saying all offseason, if they're 16th in the NFL, this team is competing for serious, uh, for serious position in the playoffs and maybe even further. But – do you really think that there's a chance that this offense could be in ranking among the NFL's top 10 after all they've been through? I don't see why not. I mean, that's where they were at in 2018. It's the same cast of characters back essentially uh, with maybe a little more depth at the wide receiver position and the running back position. So I, I don't see why they couldn't uh, jump back up and do it and be a top 10 offense uh, with just some uh, minor tweaks. 
I mean, and you're right. There, there would be minor tweaks here now. Of course, they, they, you know, there's a lot of skepticism about, you know, can Juju be a number one? Can be? Can Deontay be a number one? Those those questions. But like you said, I think number one guys are uh, that's that whole thing is overrated in today's yeah. NFL. I think you, you know, if you look at uh, what the, for example, the Houston Texans are doing, uh, they got rid of their number one guy, and they're going right. to go with a bunch of quote-unquote number two guys because they just want it to beat Deshaun Watson's offense and just let him spread the ball around. Right, and that's where I think that, that they're going with the Steelers' offense. Now you got two tight ends that are, vi- that are viable options. you got four different kind of young receivers that you've drafted over the past four years. Um, and uh, and, and on, on top of that, you have the running backs that are all young and you're still thinking about who you want to use and when you want to use them there there's a really good chance Ben Roethlisberger gets really comfortable with connecting with these guys and something that we've seen him do that he, that we didn't see him uh, do, you know, in previous years, back to just two years ago, James Washington said, you know, he was a little intimidated by Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't talk as much his rookie season. You're seeing those problems go away. You're seeing him and Chase Claypool working together very early in this training camp. Yeah, and I think uh, Roethlisberger and the Steelers both realized that that was probably a mistake that they that they didn't uh, you know get James Washington worked into the uh, system very early. They they tried to, to change that last year uh, with Deontay Johnson, and I think you're seeing Roethlisberger take a much more active role with Chase Claypool this year, knowing that hey, we're going to need these guys. Absolutely. Now we're going to cut to we're going to cut to a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking more on the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. back here on the DK Steelers podcast. Um, I'm Chris Carter here with Dale Lolly. Uh, Dale wrote a big piece yesterday about Stefan Tuitt talking about uh, how his, how big his return to the team could mean a whole lot for this defense. And that's a defense that, as you know, Steelers fans, uh, they've, they've ranked, they've been the number one team at, uh, at sacking the quarterback for three straight seasons, something no other defense in NFL history has done. They led the NFL in turnovers last year, and that was with without that was without Stephon Tuitt for ten games last season, and with an offense that was putting him in rough positions. But Dale, with Tuitt coming back, Hargrave still had a good year in his absence. How big of an upgrade do you think a healthy Tuitt makes for that front four um, if he's healthy for the entire season? Oh, I think it'd be huge. Um, you know, he had three and a half sacks essentially last year in, in five games. He got hurt early in that game against the uh, Chargers. 
Uh, if you look at it, his stats from last year in the five games, uh, 22 tackles, six tackles for a loss. He already had seven quarterback hits at the time that he was, uh, he was injured. He was, he was, in my opinion, playing the best football of anybody in the Steelers defense, on the Steelers defense at the time he was injured last year. And remember, that defense included T.J. Watt, Cam Hayward, and, uh, and Micah Fitzpatrick, who were all uh, first-team all-pros last year. So, uh, you know, I think he was playing really well. I think if they could get a full season out of Stephon Tewitt, it would go a long way toward not only, you know, replacing the production of Javon Hargrave that he had last year, but making this a better defense. Um, now, that being said, we haven't seen a full season out of Stephon Tewitt as of yet. In, in uh, 20, uh, you know, 2017, he had, uh, uh, I believe it was a, a knee injury. Uh, in 2018, he, he got hurt early in the game against the Cleveland Browns. He, he tore a, uh, a bicep muscle in his one arm. Uh, and then last year with the, uh, with the chest injury, um, you know, he's missed 20 games in the last five years. But the key with him is he's still just 27 years old, and this is, he's going into his seventh NFL season. He's still a young guy. And if you look at Cam Hayward's, uh, you know, when he kind of broke out, it was right around this same time in his career. So I think that, I think that the, the you know, the, the, the future for Stephon Tewitt, you know, the arrow is still pointing up. I think he can be a, a real home wrecker, um, and, and I think he can be a guy that, uh, that, that really uh, makes a difference this year. I mean, that certainly, that certainly can, can definitely be the case. And it's, cra it's crazy to me because when you look at Stephon Tewitt's, uh, at, at his career and the, 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 you know, when we saw, you know, like, like you said, he hasn't played a full season, but I believe it was 2015 or 2016 when Cam Hayward went down with an injury and Stephon Tewitt was still performing at a high level. We haven't seen these two guys be able to be on the same page as far as when they're both firing on all cylinders, when Cam Hayward's being a first team all pro interior defensive lineman and Stephon Tewitt's full, healthy for a full season and producing at a high level. If these two guys are able to do that, and like you said, he had, he had three and a half sacks through basically five games. That's on a pace of double-digit sacks in a season. If you're talking about Tuitt getting double-digit sacks and Hayward getting close to double-digit sacks with both Dupree and Watt still playing at a very high level, I mean, who do you block if you're an offensive line? Right, and that's the thing. I mean, somebody's getting some one-on-ones there, and if that's the case, they have the guys up front, uh, you know, whether that's beat Watt and Dupree or Hayward and Tuitt to beat one-on-one -on -one blocks on a pretty consistent basis, uh, it could get real ugly this year. I, I'm on record as saying they could get 65 sacks this year, and I truly believe that. Um, you know, people, when you look at it, uh, they had just over 100 minutes of, of leads last year uh, that were more than eight points, eight points or more, which would be a, uh, basically more than a touchdown lead. Um, with Roethlisberger back this year, with two at healthy, I think they could really get after the quarterback this year and break that team record for sacks. That could be something to see, and especially like you said, with that offense out there, if they're even close to the top ten range of the uh, of NFL offenses, and they're giving them you know ten point leads and fourteen point leads throughout the game, and then you see teams start to get desperate, you're going to see, especially because. They face a lot of young quarterbacks this year. They face they get they get to see Lamar Jackson twice, Joe Burrow twice, Baker Mayfield twice. They get to see Josh Allen, Deshaun, Deshaun Watson, all these other all these young guys. Uh, they're going to see Daniel Jones in the first game of the season. It's 
they have a lot offensive of tackle. Exactly. And, and without no offensive tackle. And we're looking at these guys who are going to be, if they're under pressure, to, under pressure just to score points, and then they're facing the pressure of this Steelers four-man front breathing down their neck, uh, th this could be the perfect recipe for this being a, a historic year for a defense that has a lot, or a, a team that has a lot of historic defenses. Yeah, I agree. I think this defense could be really good. I talked with uh, Brian McFadden about that exact thing in the offseason, and, and he agreed. He said, you know, the only thing that they're missing is a championship. <laughs> Certainly, because I mean, Brian McFadden, he's got two of those things. Um, and and he's, he's been on some great defenses. I mean, I remember his rookie season. He was part of that 05 run, uh, and, and he made a huge, uh, huge breakup against Reggie Wayne in the playoff game late when the Colts were trying to come back. So, I mean, if, if anyone's seen how those rises happen, he absolutely uh, would be one of them. Uh, if, if, this, if, if Tewitt has this, this kind of breakout year, like he, he finishes the kind of year this year that he was on last year, do you think that he becomes the center point of this defense? Or do you still think it, maybe it's T.J. Watt or Hayward or Minka? Like, like is it, does this mean that he becomes the star of the defense? Or is this kind of just part of the collective? Well, I think like we saw last year, uh, they have a defense with several stars. Uh, you know, T.J. Watt is not going anywhere. As I mentioned, too, it's just 27. He's not going anywhere. Um, you know, Minka Fitzpatrick is 23. Uh, they've got a nice – it gives you a nice spread. You know, Cam Hayward's uh, going to be 32. So you have a guy at 32 who's a stud. You have a guy at 27 who's a stud. You've got T.J. Watt at 25 who's a stud. And then you've got Minka Fitzpatrick at 23, who's a stud. That's not a bad thing. It's like, who gets the stats, man? Who gets the stats? That's the question right here. The main stat is wins and losses, and that's all those guys will care about. And, and, it, that, and they, they've, been, they've been barking that message for quite some time. I think it's going to be exciting to see this group together. Go check out Dale Lolly's piece. It's up, it's up on DK Pittsburgh Sports Net right now. Talking about itching to go. Stephon to it and why he could be the key to a great 2020 NFL season for the Steelers. Dale, thanks as always. And thanks to you for listening to the DK Pittsburgh Steelers podcast.